everyone. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host, Fernando Mendez, welcoming you to the last meeting of the week, the podcast in which we talk to the coolest and most creative people in Hong Kong. On my left, I have the fantastic Filippo Sebastio, which is, uh, without him, this wouldn't happen as it's happening, as, and we wouldn't have as much fun as we're having. And in front of me, I have a lady from a very special place um, uh, that I know for a very long time, and it's and with who it's always a pleasure to catch up. Also because you are a little bit difficult to 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 find because you are so busy. Uh, she's actually probably the person from the coolest place I know, and from the place I want to die in. Um, and so before showing her, I just want to make everyone a little bit envious. So uh, can we cut to camera four, please? There you go. Uh, so the question uh, that everyone will ask uh, him or herself is why this person has left this place. <laughs> Amy, Compagne Butler, welcome to the last meeting of the week. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Um, before anything else, what do you think about what we did with this space? Well, <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> we, we upgraded a little bit, eh? Yeah, it looks really, it's really, really cool. Yeah, yeah. How was the week? How, uh, how, 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 how is the coming back from uh, from the holidays been for you? I mean, I was on holiday like I think for more than a month ago. Last time I was in Spain, and it was I think it was pretty hardcore. After like until two weeks later, I didn't recover my jet lag, and then I was so depressed because I love Spain in the summer, but now as I kind of get deep into my work back again then I feel like so much better and I love being here and you know get like you sing like you know being buried by work is just like an amazing feeling but yeah in summer <laughs> Spain is amazing so I miss Spain a lot when, when did you come back uh I think last month okay a bit I have the feeling that in um, Hong Kong during summer uh, I, I, I did come back also end of July mm. and it was a little bit depressing. It felt like it felt like uh, during COVID Hong Kong. Then I realized that September is not bringing me the same type of feeling. Yeah. It's yeah. like it's like things have gone back a little bit to 2018. Yeah. Yeah. It's like things were were like w like they were when we met. Yeah. Um, so Amy and I, uh, we met in a co-working space full of millennials that were touching their feet, their naked feet, uh, their bare feet, and uh, leaving everything super filthy um, and making a lot of noise. So when, one time uh, we looked uh, at each other and we said, why don't we find another place and we get out of here? So our relationship was born. It was very functional because I, was pr I couldn't probably afford a place. And I, I think that you could save a little bit of money. And then we became friends. And um, I got the chance to uh, discover a super interesting journey that uh, keeps on, you know, has evolved since we since we stopped working together. What do you think? Let's say uh, I would love to just go back to the beginning to what I, to what I showed everyone at the beginning. So. Uh, by the way, is this your house or you just took no, this from the internet? I wish it was my house. My you should have lied. My you house have is actually it. not white and I always tell my, my parents to paint it white because if it houses should always be white, but it's so dirty and it's so impractical. So my father is like, there's no way I'm going to have this. It was white at some point, but 
we had a pool also we had a backyard but it was not as impressive as this one i have to say okay maybe maybe, maybe this is also w this will be a manifestation yeah. so now when you go back you go back to ibiza you go back to mallorca i go back to mallorca now my parents live in mallorca currently but uh, they still own a place in ibiza so we are always going back and forth from ibiza to mallorca yeah but home is mallorca now home is mallorca okay um so and also mallorca is somehow the beginning wh when you started why you started yeah um I always knew your story f since you started working in the kitchen and bathroom company, mm -hmm. but I've never asked you why you started studying design in the first place. Yeah. I don't, basically, I never had like a passion per se. I always knew I like to draw and I like to arrange rooms and I always was very good like at uh, art. Like I will fail everything but art. I will even fail music. I'll fail everything but art. But um, I had a very sort of trouble like teenage years. And my brother started to uh, study graphic design. And then one day he came home with this uh, leaflet and he said, yo, you should study this. This course is for you, like, you know, interior design. And then I thought, like, I'm going to give it a go. And I just went there. And then I had the exam to pass. There was like, I think there was like 300 applicants and they only had like 40 or 30 spaces for interior design for the first uh, course I wanted to do. And then I was the third. Like they called the people and I was like third. And I was like, I can't believe it. Like it was the first time I actually excel at an exam of anything. And I had to do some technical drawing and and I was I did really good. And then I thought like, okay, I'll just do it. And I started for a year and I loved it. And then I continued. And bear in mind I was already living by myself with my boyfriend then and I needed money. Uh but I was uh, studying full time. So it was really, really hard for me to m balance the full-time job and full-time studying, but I really wanted to do it. So it took me six years plus one, so seven years to complete interior design degree, which is a four years plus one plus like your thesis. Yes. So it took me seven years to finish that because I will be working and studying. You mentioned travel Yeah. Uh, chaotic and yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think it had that much to do with that. Although my parents did move from Ibiza to Mallorca because they were searching better opportunities for us. Like uh, for in case I moved from Ibiza when I was fourteen, my brother was fifteen and a half. Uh, so it was a it, it was a good time. I think my parents were really smart. To, to see the dangers coming. So they thought we'll move, the kids will have better chances to study because in Ibiza, yeah, it's very famous for, but not for the studies. This <laughs> is a party island. So the only thing you could study in Ibiza is tourism, which both were not interested in. Me and my brother are very artsy. We, my brother is a gamer. He works in the gaming industry and I'm doing design. So uh, they wanted us to go to uni and then to have more choices. So they did that for us. I think the fact that we moved when I was like 14 years old, it was, and my brother 15, it was not good because we, we were like in our like puberty was our teenage years, so it was not a good moment to change that drastically. So I think it, there was a there was a it was an uncomfortable time for us moving, finding new friends where we already had a crew, so it was not that much like party or like danger or drug related, but it was more for like. 
uh, losing our f close friends and you know having in this really bad situation so it was more like a pavo like a teenage teenage rebel years and it was really it was bad at home like my situation with my parents were not it was not very good so I wanted to leave my place so I actually ended up moving when I was 16 so I left my parents house I, I mean they helped me to actually they made me promise to them that I will finish high school and they will help me to find an apartment and they will help me if they had to help me like financially paying rent or something but I had to promise them I will finish high school and then so I was uh, actually thank god I like you know they I didn't break this promise because I wanted to be a hairdresser I thought one day I went home and I was like I'm gonna become a hairdresser and my mom is like you didn't even brush your hair come on it's like, you don't want to become a hairdresser but you know I had this you know very troubled years like I guess like more like adolescent like teenage years what's your background are you your parents are from Spain as well yeah well my mom is from UK she's British but uh, my father is from Mallorca so they met my father finished his career he's a doctor so he finished studying in uh, Barcelona and he moved to Ibiza he had a job his first job in Ibiza in Camises Hospital my mom was a tourist guide she went to Ibiza in the 80s seventies, 70s, 70s to be a tourist guide it was a like tourism like bomb like bomba at this point and then she so they will they met my mom used to bring all her drunk um like um all the breeds that got drunk and had like you know pass out the, she will bring them to my dad and that's how they met because she was the you know the tourist guide bringing all the drunk british and then my father will be the doctor like assisting them so it was like yeah it was love at first sight yes it's incredible to think um how we make m maybe a big number of bad decisions when we are in the teenage years yeah. But then we don't make the, some people make the fa the fatal the fatal ones and some people don't and then your your life totally changes. Yes. Um, so okay. So now 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 you are an interior designer. Mm -hmm. You finished seven years later, and and uh, at that point are you already working uh, in design? Yes. You're doing this bathroom and kitchen job at that point yeah so basically when i when i was doing my first year of the career i had to get i was working in a cinema like selling popcorn like from 3 to 11 3 30 to 11 because that was the only job, job that i could do going to class from 8 to 3 and then 3 30 i'll start in the cinema and then do until 11 so i was like this is so messed up i don't want to do so i thought if i could get a job doing something related to design then I can learn and I can make money at the same time but then in Spain there wasn't interior designers interior design is a profession that is really only known like now uh, so but there was a lot of kitchen and bathroom design shops or you know they used to sell furniture so I thought if I can get a job in a kitchen showroom then I can make money and, and learn at the same time so I found this job um, so I found this, there was, a, there was some stores in Mallorca called Modulo. Um, and then I, so I joined, I, ca I had an interview at Modulo. And they were, I s well, I saw an ad first. And they were looking for someone with three years experience, with a car, with a degree in interior design. And then don't know what more. Like a lot of things that I didn't have. <laughs> but I went and I did the interview. And it was this, so the, the, the place was owned by two sisters, really cool sisters. Um, and then... 
uh, they have inherited the business from their father, and they not only had showrooms, but they also had like a manufact like a factory. So they used to do manufacturing their kitchen and bathroom cabinets, and then have all the shops. So I was working in the shop, and then, but um, it was not like a only like a designer role, but more like a sales designer. So in Spain, you have to sell it and you have to then design it. So it's like, tu te lo guisas, tu te lo comes. Yeah. <laughs> so yes. you have to do everything. So I had to capture the client. So from the moment that they will come into the showroom, maybe wanting to buy, but not, not sure, right? And then I, so I had to capture them and then show them everything and then sit down with them and then draw the plans and then potentially get the a good lead and then go to their houses and then measure and then do all the drawings for production and then put the kitchen into production and so i had so many opportunities to learn in this job because it was like i had to do everything and then the after sales so i learned so much like i learned fabrication i learned from installation i learned from customer service so i think actually the sales job is just such a fundamental like thing that I did in my career like learning how to sell and I use this throughout my entire life I think sales is one of the most important things that an entrepreneur should do because you learn so much do you think that without this this experience you would have been able to found house of butler no even if you had let's say you know all the experience in fosters no we, I mean we're getting ahead of ourselves but yeah I did so. I'm, I'm still, you know, every time I'm still in touch with Marga and Rosario, which own they own the shop. They're not anymore, but they they used to own the shops. And I I don't think they understand how grateful I am because I'm always like, my, it wasn't for you, but I don't think they understand how grateful I am because my life will have been so much different if I didn't. And they hustle like those two hustle like crazy. Like one of them had a baby, and then she went to work like a week later. She's like, I'm not doing this. I'm going back to, you know, they were like this kickass like woman that I never actually met in my life but I look up to them so much and I w I'm so grateful to them like they actually give me everything and I ma they made me so confident later to believe that I could do anything you know and they were like they also pushed me I worked for them two and a half almost three years but they were like you go on you do your stuff you know they knew that I was on to do something and they didn't want to like hold me back so, in fact, I had to quit this job so I could focus in finishing my third year because I was, like, you know, stuck. And I was working so much and we were winning very good money because I will get a lot of commission and I was selling like crazy. So it was just, it was yeah, it was a really cool thing. And, you know, it's like, uh, I remember when I did the interview with Rosario and she said to me, like, you don't have anything of the, of the things that I need. Like, you know, you don't have experience. You don't have a car. You don't even have a license. I didn't have a driving license. And she said, like, but you have so much, like, you, I really want to teach you. And I'm going to test it, like, if it works or not, because you really want this. And I was like, thank you so much. <laughs> she was, yeah, they are great. Yeah, they are so great. And what is the moment in which, after this experience, you decide that Mallorca is too small for you? Was I was sitting, well, I think it was in summer, and I was I had this apartment. It was actually really cool. I had so much space and a huge terrace. I had everything. I had a car then, and I had money. So, but I, um, so I was sitting there in my living room. I didn't have a TV. That's <laughs> and I was thinking, like, yo, I could 
made so much people because uh, although my mom is english she never spoke english to us because she was trying to learn spanish at home so we our english was not very good like it was a school english which was definitely not enough to have a conversation so i will be like i will i was sitting there and thinking if i could learn english i could do so much more i could meet so many people i could have so many more opportunities you know and i could move and do something good like you know in spain i'm not going to do anything with design because you know i have my opportunities were so limited bear in mind this was lo- so long ago it, i was it, design was not even a thing we had to get given when we finished my degree we had to get given like a paper that said from the government that said that our studies were valuable as interior designer like it was not in spain it was not a thing interior design so it was like a very mm, people didn't know really so i was like i'm li- i'm leaving and i can't be here and have zero chances and you know work on a sh- furniture shop for the rest of my life and not so then is when I moved to, L- I thought, I'm going to move to UK, <laughs> original me, I moved to London, like after a month, I just packed and moved to London, so expensive, and I had like, you know, so little savings, so I demolished all my savings in like a month, uh, I was living in an apartment with 13, b- four bedroom apartment with 13 Italian guys, all 13. Guys, 13 guys, and then me and my friend, so it was like two girls, and then 13, g- <laughs> it was a fiesta, fiesta, <laughs> and they were all super young, with so definitely not the most glamorous b- beginning in London at all, no. What year is this? I'm not good with the 2000-something, but um, I think I've been seven, ten years ago. Ten 2013. Years ago. Yeah, ten years ago. I've been seven and a half, yeah, or m- maybe 11 years ago. All right. So, and then you're having fun, and then working at Habitat. Yeah. Yeah. Why? What were you doing at Habitat? You 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 were selling stuff. I was also selling. Yes. Yes. This is Habitat for for whoever uh, doesn't know. Habitat is a very renowned lifestyle type of a shop. I, I I've seen it in the in the Philippines actually. I don't know in how many countries they are. Yeah, so you, were, you, you so you go, but you go to London without a job and you yeah. find the job in London. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was there for like I, I printed my CVs and I went everywhere. Basically, I went in the King's Road and I'm like, this is where I want to work. I'm not going to go anywhere dark and dingy. Like, the King's Road is nice, enough, enough people around here, nice cafes. I'm just going to stay here. So I just left my CV in most of the shops in the King's Road. I, I knew I didn't want to work in a pub and I didn't want to sell clothes because I don't like clothes. I don't like fashion. <laughs> so I was like... I'll just do furniture and then yeah a few days later I think within a week of being in London I already had this job I mean it didn't pay a lot and they paid like six pounds per hour it was like 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 <laughs> it was crazy but um and then so I started there and after a little bit like a month or something they saw I had um they had a kitchen department also there and they saw I had experience with kitchens so they told me why you don't go down and you know work in the kitchens so I was there and we were we did like a role. It was not a designer role. It was called lead taker. So we will take leads to the to to feed the designer. So if someone was looking at the kitchens, so we had to explain, oh, you know, this is made in Germany and the hinges are bloom and so. Uh, but then the good thing is that the um, designer he was really cool and he will he will teach us the software that they used to use in the UK for like like kitchen design software. So he me and my colleague. Delphine, which we used to work together then, uh, th- we were both designers, and then he 
wanted us to learn the software so we could leave quick because he was like you know you need to you need to learn so after i learned we we learned this i landed i secured a job a few months later as a kitchen designer only in a showroom in east london and i was doing only kitchen design so someone else was doing the sales and i would do purely design and were you happy doing that yeah, I like. I always like kitchens. I like kitchens a lot. It's very easy for me because it's it's kind of very systematic thing. So once you learn how to do it, you become really really good, which was very dangerous at that at this point because I was getting very specialized. So you know, I will get phone calls from recruiters saying, oh, "I got an amazing job in Bulldog for you," or like Pokemon, and, and they were offering me good money because I already had a lot of experience, but I wanted to be proper interior designer no i didn't want to specialize so so you are saying no to to offers yeah and then you have the first manifestation yeah i was living in battersea well i will say to everybody i'm gonna work at foster and partners i want to go to and they people will be like what are you talking about but inside of me i was thinking i don't know if i can do it because i don't know if my title actually is valid for this because i mean i study in this Escola Superior de Diseño de las Islas Baleas. I mean, it's <laughs> like, it's like, <laughs> you know? And then I was thinking, they, if they will, you know, they won't accept me. But then I was like, I really want to do it. And I will meet people. And I remember meeting someone that worked at Foster's one day. And I was like, I will work at Foster and Partners. And she was like, you don't want to. It's like, we overtime like crazy. It's horrible work environment. You don't want to do it. And I was like, no, no, I will work at Foster and Partners. And I was living in Battersea, which is next door to the studio. And sometimes I would walk by and I would sit there and stare at them. And they'll be working on Monday, super late, on Sunday, raining or good. Like, they were always work. But I would just think, like, you know, one day I will work here. I'll pass with the bus and then th look at the place and think, like, wait. <laughs> It was flashy, it was big, and it was like, because, in f you know, in, in Spain, we like, as international architects, we don't have that much knowledge, right? You know, the big ones that are m most of them dead, and, and then, you know, Richard Rogers, and then Foster's, and, you know, Jean Nouvel, and then Foster's was one of the, the top. And mm. I always, like, thought, like, it would be so cool because... I'm a designer, but if I could work for an architectural firm, because I'm very interested in architecture, not that much on the sort of decoration side of design. So I thought, like, if I could learn from these people, but I didn't even know that they had interior or they hired interiors, because all the projects that you see all or I saw back then from Foster's were, like, very much, like, architecture, purely. They only had, like, two interior projects. That was the Monaco Yacht Club, and then the hotel, what's it called? The uh, Puerta de America, Puerta de America in I Madrid. Didn't, uh, but they, did they do all of the all of the floors, or no, just one, one of, them? of the floors? Okay. So imagine if there was little like interior design of po projects on them. So they they were not actually like specialists in interior design. It, it was very very little. And so, um, how 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 does it happen? Like how do you how do you how do you match with uh, with Foster and Partners? If I don't even know if I saw an ad and I replied to an ad or I sent my CV on the website. I don't even know, but I got a call 
but I really wanted this job. And I got a call um, one day from HR and they said they're going to call me to an interview. I didn't want to say to my, I didn't want to say to anybody. I was so nervous. I'm like, I, I'm going to mess it up. They're not going to hire me. And, uh, you know, everybody's going to be so sad. So I didn't say to anyone. But the day before, I told this guy, Pablo, who he had taught me 3D. He had taught me a lot. He was sort of like my mentor. He was a little bit older than me. And I look up for to him a lot. So I told him, man, I have an interview tomorrow at Foster's and I'm just shitting myself. I'm so scared. And, and then he's like, you, you are so good. They already called you. You know, you're going you're gonna to make it. You are unbelievable. He was so supportive. And, I w- and when I went there, I was just like, it's going to be fine. They already called me. They're going to hire me. And I, just, and I went there and I had such a good interview. And it was this Italian guy, Stefano, who was really, really nice. And yeah, well, everything went super well. And then, so they were looking at that moment, they were looking for, so they were trying to assemble an interior design studio per se. So Forsters has, of course, architecture, they have engineering, they have product design, but they didn't have an interior design group per se. At that moment, they were actually assembling an interior design group. And they were looking for someone that had experience doing kitchens and bathrooms because they did a lot of residential projects. So it was like, you know, it was like perfect for me. Like the stars aligned for me and then I got the job and then a good offer and there I went. Um, and how is it working inside the office, the offices at Patricia? It's really amazing <laughs> because I even remember they have many buildings, right? They call it the campus because they have like six or seven buildings. So they're all scattered around. It's huge. They're like 1,500 people. Um, but I remember I had like the, so we were, we were, the interiors group was downstairs in the, f- in the main building where all the partners sit. So you will have to go through the partner's office down to the basement and then to, to the studio. For the and then uh, they had all this glass cladding so you could see like all the river and then the Chelsea Bridge and Battersea Bridge on the other side. So we work at nighttime and then we'll see all the Chelsea Bridge lights. It was like so cool. And it's so inspiring because the main studio, like they have all the models from all the buildings and they, it's just like when you walk in, it's just it's so high and they have these beautiful models everywhere and it's just so inspiring. It's like mind blowing. And for someone like me, I was like, even when I did my interview, I was like, yo, I couldn't hold it. It was like, oh my God. And then all the partners are sitting there in the perfect desk with no clutter line. Everything is perfect. It's just like so cool. Yeah, it was really, really super inspired. And then the people, people that they work there are not mediocre people. Everybody is the best. You sit with someone and you'll have an amazing conversation. It doesn't matter who, what they do, like acoustic engineer or mechanical engineer, landscape, product. It's like, you, it's like having all the resources at your disposal, at, at your, their disposition. It's like everything, everybody is good. Everybody is good. This um, is really, it's really cool. Is, thi- is this community um, a factor in maybe not feeling the stress so much? Because I, when when I when I asked about how how it was working at Fosters, and when you think about big companies, big firms, normally the common denominator is big stress, big expectations. Yeah, you need to bring your A game. But then yeah. y- your only memory, I mean, your first memory is how wonderful it was to work there. I think the human brain is, a, is, is amazing the capacity that we have to only remember the good things all, all, 
like which I think is a, is a very is a very nice characteristic. But you don't want to get st- stuck to the negative. Of course, we overtime a lot, and we didn't get paid for the overtime. Not like with Gen Cs now that want to get paid or they don't want to overtime. No, we we work our ass off literally. We printed. I remember one time putting boards up for a pre- presentation at 3.30 in the morning and then preparing the entire room with like 100 boards, like A0 size, that we had printed just before and then putting some plinth width materials and then because the plinth width materials was two centimeters higher than the board, the partner was like, no, you have to take it down and then put everything up for two centimeters. And like, you know, it's like, yes, it was so stressful. Like, big deadlines like sometimes they will come and say oh we need this 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 and this hundred things and i will be like for when and they will be like for day after tomorrow and i'm just like (laughs) i'm gonna throw up like this type of stress really stress we work a lot but but it's like university right it's like for i think for the people that work there you you feel like it's like uni it's like you are it's really rewarding somehow it's always like, yeah, you don't remember the the bad things. And of course it was, I mean, I was in Hong Kong eating dust literally for two and a half years. But then somehow I only remember that I got to walk Norman Foster's around the Marais and show him everything. And then he w- loved it so much. And it's like, you know, it doesn't matter. The other things doesn't matter. What you get paid, how much you overtime, it's just like, you know, it's, it's not important. Yeah. Yes. But the... the 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 gentleman Sir Norman Foster has a certain aura to himself. Uh, have you watched the documentary that uh, they did on him uh, called "How Much Does, you Does Your Building Weight, Mr. Foster"? It's extremely. Is is the is the I knew about his his work a little bit, but then I became enchanted uh, through watching that documentary. Yeah. And uh, how is it having him in flesh? in the meetings it's the same as you when you see him in the video it's like enchanting like there is nothing you can ask that you cannot know just by seeing him and just feeling it because he's just so did you know the energy you know when someone just like it's just beyond what it's like he, he we had this when he one one time he came and we had they asked him to give a talk to the office so he said he didn't have n- nothing prepared so he thought it would be a good idea to talk about how he meets clients and how he engages and how he starts a pro- new project right and then he talked about like Chateau Margaux which is one project in uh, a beautiful winery in France and how she met the he met the client by cycling because he really likes to cycle, and then uh, how he met uh, Steve Jobs and how he was flew to like you know to see the camp the the area where they were gonna build the campus, and it's just like he he just had this energy like I mean he's eighty seven this year he doesn't stop he never stops drawing he's always working nah, he's a workaholic for sure. But you know he has this this energy. There's nothing you can ask him that you don't know. He was banker once, and then he managed to, like you know, d- like even triplicate. Back. Yeah, c- come back and triplicate. Y- there's o- only someone that has the burning desire to make it. Yes. That will succeed. So he's this type of person. And nowadays, how how involved is he in projects? For example, I I, I just pulled up um, one from 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 the pictures that I that you sent me, um, this is the principal yeah. in London. 
like yeah. uh, you 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 participated in this, mm-hmm. in this yeah one. yeah very much how let's say is is how are the big partners involved in this type of projects there is a board so normally there is so the structure works like there is like seven executive partners and those seven are the ones that oversee like the aesthetic review of the project so there's nothing that comes out without these partners looking at it Norman Foster doesn't review all these small projects per se. They will d- he he especially now, which he he's more involved in the Foster Foundation. Okay. So they do more other sort sort of other type of more special projects, more social like related. Like they do different things. Yes. He's not as actively involved in the studio so much now. But uh, they will, for example, when I was working in the football stadiums in the football stadium in Blue Sail, he will do ca- he will come and then do some some review. It depends on how much he has met the client and how much he had he has put his face on the project. I guess you know, so okay. he will be more interested in making sure that the project really does look good. Okay, no, it makes a lot of sense. So uh, you moved everything, you know, earth and mountains. Uh, to go to London, but then Hong Kong kind of like uh, sucked you in. Yeah. Um, so y- from what I know, from what I remember, uh, Foster and Partners was involved in the refurbishment of the Murray. Yeah. And then some s- one day someone calls you and says, "Amy, you need to, you need you need to come over." How yeah. does that happen? It was crazy because that's another thing that. So when I was, when I started in first, so I did like a few things in, in you work for projects, right? So I, I was working in the principal tower for like many, many months from the start to finishing really, uh, until we handed over the construction documentation to the architects. And then I will work in the Lucille football stadium and then Jeddah, I, I did a few projects, which is really good because sometimes you only get to work in one project for five years. Like, so I, d- I got a bit of everything. And then, um, I was I asked to transfer to the Murray team because they were because I really really liked this project and they were doing detail design at this point and I was really good at doing details uh, so then yeah the partner there said I'll swap you with someone and then you come over so I managed to get into this project I love I mean I've seen I've seen this project so many times because they in Foster's when you walk around they put these big boards so you can see other studio projects and and the Murray was always up in the boards and I always think like wow that place is so cool. For the people who d- who don't know what the Murray is, maybe people that don't live in Hong Kong are seeing this. W- this is what we're talking about. It's a uh, uh, one of the m- best brutalist buildings yeah. in, in Asia. 100 yeah. percent probably in the world it's really really good and it was very sustainable at the moment and the architect from philips is alive still I, if we go to work with him I, it's but the, the project so when I, the building itself is so like it's like a mag- magnet i was so at- attracted to this building so when i started working in the in the project i couldn't believe it and i so we did the detailed design package and it i think it lasted for three or four months and then after like the the senior partner says like ask me and Ben, my partner, who you know, we were working together in the same in the same team. He asked us, "Do you guys want to go?" Because he was offered the opportunity to come and oversee the renovation, but he didn't want to. And he was like, "Do you guys want to go?" And I was like, "Yes." Like you know, I, at that point, I wanted to move somewhere in Foster, so I was looking at maybe LA or San Francisco. I wanted to transfer, but they have told me that it's impossible to transfer in, fo- in Foster. No one transferred in Foster because why would they transfer you? They can hire someone. And I was like, 
I will drive for sure. And then when they told me this, I was like, of course we're going. So we came with um 18-month contract originally, and then we ended extending our contract to 25 months. Um, and then after that, the boss here calling was like, why you don't guys stay? And I was like, yeah, I really want to stay. We love Hong Kong so much. But we, yes, so we were uh, 25 months, I think, yeah, two years and a little bit more on site building the Murray. Yeah, they are all from the ground up. 23 stories in the dust going up and down the stairs because they didn't have elevators until really later on. So, yeah, and that was super cool also, such an amazing experience. And how is the process of taking a heritage building from an architect who's alive and rewriting, A, the usage of the building and probably changing the aesthetic? How how deep was the renovation? It was a lot because I don't know if you've seen, there is a photo that is like a car park, so... But yes, like this is the this is the, that's what we're yeah, talking about. Yeah, that was like so basically if what you see here is only like half of the the arches. So the arches are double story high, but the car park so the slab was touching was cutting the uh, arches through in half. Ah, yeah. So the big arches only came wha- when Foster's punched through the slab to make this super amazing arrival experience which you can probably, I can re- help you, yeah. Yes. So you see that sort of in the middle, it was cut. So the arches now are free, so it's like four-story high arches. And then, I mean, the architectural move was minimal but very, very important and very impressive and improved the building a lot. Um, and then for the interiors, because the building was designed so the sun didn't, the, the, the windows are sort of, um, angle 45 degrees and this was because it was a sustainable effort at the time to make the, the if the window is not parallel to the sun it's not straight there's not so much sun coming so if you tilt the window 45 degrees then you get more shading therefore like people inside is like protected from the sun and then uh, your your Yes, you don't have to refrigerate this. Energy. So it was a really really smart move Bear in mind this building was built in the 60s so it was like a really smart sustainable move. But then, of course, as an interior point of view, it didn't work that well because you come into your room and you have a window that is 45 degree angle. So you don't get the view, you know. Some of the rooms overlook the Hong Kong park and it's beautiful to see like a square window. So like what Foster's did, which was very clever and I was not part of the original design design team because that started very early on. They took the layout and they rotated all the rooms, so the originally they started drawing in a grid, right? So they, but this didn't work, so they took the layout and they rotated all the room for rooms 45 degrees. So every room, every door was parallel to your window, so every time you open the door, you get a like perfect square with a perfect view of yes. the city or of the, the, the Hong Kong park facing like for every room. So it's really, really special. Also, I mean, very complicated when you do M&E and all the ceiling coordination yes. because all the beams and, but yeah, it was really, really nice move. It is a very special place. When I, I, I spent one night during my 10th anniversary and it, it, it has it has a certain magic because you are overviewing the city, but somehow you have the feeling that you are hiding and no one can see you mm. from the rooms. Yeah. Um, so, and then, so you were there for two and a half years um, the big boss, Mr. Foster, comes at the end to check it out, or yeah. he was actually he was coming often to. He was coming to China wi- to accompany his 
son for something. I don't remember something fam family thing. But then he decided to stop over and and pay a visit to the hotel, which has have just been handover, not officially open, but just been handover. Um, and then yeah, and we got to walk him around the hotel. It was me and Ben. So me and Ben w did pretty much a lot of the interiors. Um, we have. A I'm, I'm gonna find the picture. Hey, could it is. <laughs> I mean, even my. <laughs> Even for that, I couldn't dress properly. <laughs> like, I'm almost like, yeah, fashion is not my strength. But um, yeah, and then we got to meet Elena, which is, uh, I mean, everybody's pretty scared of her, but I think she's ama an amazing woman. And me and her got along like a house on fire. And we, d and we showed them everything. Like we went, yeah, we toured them around all the hotel. And it was just us. And it was, it was really personal. At that moment, I could have died. Like you know, you know, when he left, I started bawling. Of course, it was so exciting, so I cried my eyes. Out. And Ben was like, "What's wrong with you? Like it's a hormone sort of." And I was just so excited. And like it was like, Yo, if I live for anything, it's for this. If I die tonight, I'm okay. Like I just done it. I've like fulfilled my like my dream. This is amazing. Just talk one one with him regardless of what he thinks about the building i just been with norman for that I was just like you know and yeah it was so special so special so what happens after the murai is completed so i work actually i work in a few other projects in fosters we did like a shopping mall here and there and i was like oh this is boring i'm not gonna be on site you know nothing was cutting it because I just done everything. I just walked Norman Foster and I was like, I don't want to design a shopping mall in Wuhan. Just <laughs> so then I decided, yeah, I, I was really, I was very inspired by all the things that had happened. And I also really wanted to try something out in Hong Kong because everything is so fast. I was like, I can't do anything here. I was really, I really wanted to take like creative freedom and then do my own stuff and just yeah do do my own stuff so i founded my design studio hustle partner and that we're talking about the year this 2018 2019 four years ago yeah. how was the beginning did, did you start the studio already with a client or you started from zero i started from zero but i, I have i had a client like pretty much like a week after and it's funny because some people will be like oh where are you? ben was like Ben likes to think that he's very positive, but he was not that very bad. <laughs> he was like, oh, but are you going to take your clients from? And how are you going to do? And how are you going to have better? And, and I was like, I'm going to, it's fine. It's going to be fine. You know? You know? Don't worry about it. Don't don't bring your negativity to me. Just like, you know, just let it be. It's going to be fine. And yeah, I pretty much had a first client straight away. Yeah. How do you find him? I don't know. They found me. I don't know. Or through someone... I don't know exactly what was the connection, but if someone had told them that I was starting my studio and they knew someone, yeah, they were with, there was there was someone that knew someone that had recommended me. And uh, so you get the first client. Yeah, did the um, first project. How does it feel like f being, you know, from a big team, to to being on your own? Do you f do you, do you feel the cold? What is, is that moment exhilarating or scary? I think now because I'm always I'm Mrs. Busy, so I I try to keep myself busy. If I if I get deep into thought and I start getting scary about things, then I try to get myself busy and I don't think about it too much. I think now, four years later, sometimes it does feel like this is a lot. You know, I miss having a team. I miss talking with work colleagues that are sort of at the same level as me. I don't want to be giving orders. I don't even know something. I don't want to. 
have to explain things and then it does feel more lonely and then sometimes if clients don't come in and then you question am i doing something wrong or what is the you know it's very lonely yeah entrepreneurship is is lonely but uh it's rewarding at the same time yeah how much are you spending now in actually you know creating business by going out networking and or and designing uh, what is the ratio? Well, how much it's time like are you spending? 99.5 to 0. <laughs> not 0.5. I c- network zero. Like, I don't network. I don't go to events. I'm the worst person. I will only go to events if it's your event or if it's a friend that is asking me to. But I'm really bad and I should definitely be better at it. Like, I'm super bad at networking. I mean, well, the positive message is that if people come to you, it's because they like your style. And, I, and actually... Um, when you explain me your life about you know all all of this you know when we met uh, years ago about your uh, kitchen design experience and you know that being the reason why you got uh, hired by Foster or one of the reasons, um, I didn't realize that there is another very important factor which is I think you two um, the studio or himself and 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 Amy and House of Butter you have a common language that you like minimalism you like textures you say you li- you like um uh, how to say coziness in the design mm. even if because even even in if for example uh, I'm d- i just pulled up um a double bathroom that amy designed with uh with her studio i mean i can tell you that the walls are made of tiles but you know you, you from this picture you you would think that you can actually uh lay on it and and have it be comfortable mm. uh What's the reason why why you always design things in such a minimal way? I guess I wanted to be an architect, but I thought like I can't do it, <laughs> and I know that. Yeah, but I, I I like interiors, like I like architectural interiors. I I consider myself an interior architect. In fact, we I study interior architecture. We did like more things to do with the structure, and it was like a bit more, a bit like sort of like an in-between between uh, interior designer like a decorator and an architect i have a lot of friends that are interior designers but they are very good with choosing wallpaper or fabrics or like you know hundred like different paint brands i don't know and you know i like big format tiles or i like you know jointless i like something without join for me is them you know how you put two things together and you don't see a seam is like something that blows my mind and for someone maybe someone else is not interested in that but i like and i like a smooth finish i don't really do that well with texture you know a lot of textures and patterns well i hate patterns like <laughs> so i'm very much yeah i like everything to be really calm and how is your uh, so how is your typical client how is the client that chooses you over someone that is a little bit more like you know bill bensley or things like this I think now because I already have enough portfolio to sort of showcase, they come to me because they I, they know they like the stuff that we are doing. Normally, my clients are Hong Kong Hong Kong locals, but are normally educated abroad. So, like like this project, the client was uh, she um, studied in the states or spent half of her life in the states, but she's a Hong Kong. She's they're a, they're a family from Hong Kong. So normally, yeah, they are more open to a European influence and they like ar- the architecture. They don't like clutter that much. and They like a little bit of minimalist style. 
it's minimalist but it's not like cold i, I wouldn't say I, it's, it's it's always i always try to keep it cozy but you know we have so much going on in life there's so much like you don't want to come home and see patterns and textures and think that gives you a headache it's just not it's yeah it's not yeah I this is yeah you want to come home to this yeah it's like more zen right and then and then just read your book and or have a nice conversation not just be like distracted with all the things around there's already so much going on yes And also beliefs, and also I don't want to misspeak or mispronounce that for French food. Yeah. And you have to learn any of that and incorporate it in your design. I haven't learned per se, but I do have some clients that are really insistent in bringing a Feng Shui master to check on things. So I don't normally work hand to hand with a Feng Shui master, but. Uh, normally they will bring them a little bit before and then the Feng Shui master will go like, oh, you can only put your bed here or you have to have a wall from here to here. And then sometimes, so sometimes it's very restrictive what we can do because of the building orientation and they will tell you that the bed needs to be against that wall and I'm, and I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> I can't do this. You can do something nice if you want to do this arrangement. So, But um, generally, it's quite Feng Shui it's quite straightforward also, you know, it's like, it's very, I mean, it's all about the energy, right? And creating clean paths for the energy to flow around. So if you put, if you have an entrance and you put a wall in front of the, so the energy is not going to flow or you have like a corner. So it's kind of a very common sense thing. I think sometimes like uh, this, like, these things i don't know if it's marketing or but it sometimes feels that it's more than what it is sometimes it is very annoying because they will be like oh you have to have like a wall from the so if you okay you open the door to your apartment you cannot see outside so sometimes of course the apartments are so, res so small so the, the the door is here and then there's a window here but they want you to block the because they say the energy will go through the window energy equals money in most of the time so the money will go through the window so they want you to create some sort of parapet so you mm -hmm. you stop the money from going th but sometimes it's impossible in a 50 square meter like 50 square meter apartment you can't do parapets like you can't fit your dining room table so i had a client right now that i was like we can't do this because then you can't fit your dining room table if you want to do a parapet so or feng shui or dining room so sometimes it's but i do try to be respectful to this because it's like inher like it's inherit and I also think it's interesting to learn. But sometimes even though after we do the plans and we start the design, our client will bring the Feng Shui consultant like sort of halfway, which could be really like disturbing. But um sometimes the Feng Shui they actually even say, Oh no, actually this plan works really well because they already have created this cabinet here which helps to block the money like you know the money going out. so it's, it's it's common sense i would say i think i could do a little bit more of feng shui if i had time i would really definitely like to learn because i think it's something cool that then later you can also apply but uh but yeah but sometimes it's crazy sometimes it's crazy if i was you i would bring i would i would bring one to the team like a feng shui consultant yes. you do it from the beginning yeah yeah it's very i, I think i i have thought about it about it also like even to learn a little bit i really want to i really want to and also it's very 
it's only like Hong Kong. If you want a good Feng Shui consultant, you have to speak Cantonese because the good ones are the old school ones. So you have to speak Cantonese. So I think having like a Wailo that can do a bit of Feng Shui, it could definitely be marketable. Um, marketable, and this is something that you, uh, when, I, when I met you, um, you appeared to me as, uh, as a purist. But then I discovered that you are actually a very good salesperson and you have adapted very well into you know the content creation sphere and you have become very active you said that you don't network but i but i, but I think that's a perception that you have for yourself i if if if, if you allow me to disagree i'm going to disagree strongly <laughs> uh, you have you, you have started doing um putting yourself out there which is actually is it requires a lot of work um and i'm and, uh, and i'm sure that that will bring uh, a lot of success in the future now now um looking what you have done in the past you have established you have su you have survived <laughs> we are post covid so let's say we are here and uh, and we made it um what's next for you what's what's wha what are what is some what are meaningful things that um you know make you wake up in the morning and and and, and i know it's not because it's not money it, wha what you know um stimulates you now when it comes to a project I think one of the things that I always say, like for the studio, like I like to work with, like uh, it's like a, this tagline, like this motto, I, well, like we design beautiful homes for beautiful people or beautiful spaces for beautiful people. I like, like I just I like to work with nice people, and in Hong Kong sometimes it's rare, you know, because a lot of people is very stressed and they, you know, they have their mates and they think they can treat people mis mistreat people and I'm like no <laughs> so I actually always have a sit down with my client before and I make sure that we get along and they are nice because I don't want to be stuck doing things with someone that I don't think is nice so I like I definitely like to work with good people and then right now I'm working with a woman of Hong Kong in creating the women's lounge in Central so uh, with founder Sarah V, which is an amazing like woman, which uh, is a Filipino, she's a Filipino uh, founder, and she started thi this network for, you know, just to promote like sisterhood and entrepreneur to help each other and to promote different businesses and and uh, and then she's she's now started this uh, venue, like she opened this venue. And she reached out to me to help with the interior design. So I think this is the type of network that I like doing, like meaningful network. It's like, okay, I'll help you out to do the space. I it gets like, of course, it gives me exposure, but it it like it helps me to like utilize my 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 passion or, or my knowledge in design to actually do something meaningful for for someone that is nice that will ultimately impact in a lot of people's life because right now the network is 8,000 plus women wow. and then it goes on and like every day they, they, they have more people joining so it's like I'm ultimately designing a beautiful space for 8,000 beautiful women and then for wh whoever steps on in the future uh, so this is my type of networking I will say like you know just go out there and do something that has impact for the community later on so we're looking at actually the, the space uh, that you designed for them. That's in uh, Hollywood Road. Yeah, Hollywood, uh, Hollywood. What's it called? Hollywood Commercial House. The building okay. in the fourth floor. It's very Amy. <laughs> it's very Sarah V. Also, like I mean, she's so amazing, and and you know, 
to have a network that big, to have power to attract so many. I mean, people, yeah, I design things, but and people pays me for that, but they won't come with me if I tell them to go somewhere, especially 8,000, you know? It's like, it's a lot of, you have to have a lot of energy to move a crowd like that. So I think definitely I admire her a lot. Like, you know, it's like this type of like kick-ass woman and this network, I am part of a few networks, of course, because of work I have to, but um, I think this network is especially special because it's woman of Hong Kong. It doesn't matter if you are from South Africa or if you are Italian or if you are Spanish, you are a woman of Hong Kong because you've like you consider yourself, well, I consider myself woman of Hong Kong as much as a Spanish woman. Um, so I think yeah, the network is the ne- the network is great, and the space is gonna look great. It's gonna open in two weeks. Oh wow! Two weeks. <laughs> can you can can we pay a visit one day? Yeah, well, next, of course. Next time, next time you go, send me a message. Of course, yeah. Now the space, so the space is aimed to be a safe haven for women uh, to promote like sisterhood and um and empower like empowerment and but uh but of course we have a male toilet <laughs> no 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 but I'm, I'm just curious about the architecture of course i don't want yeah. to mangle into any i mean it's business. very bare you know it's like it's they are they are they don't have a lot of founding but uh but you know it's gonna look pretty and very comfortable so yeah definitely yeah i'll tell, I'll tell you when we open i think it's gonna be like a proper opening party so i'll let you know parties are always good i have a question for you with all of this that is that, that you're doing how do you find time? Uh, let's say how how where did you come up with inspiration? How do you find the time to actually put in put in motion the kitchen business? Because that's mo- that's that's uh, that's something very let's say innovative and revolutionary in Hong Kong. Yeah, I don't know really. I don't. <laughs> I basically, you know, before I mentioned like I was working in the kitchen department in Habitat with my friend Delphine. So then she became my best mate. And then Delphine now, she lives in New York, she has a baby. And, uh, but we always said, oh, one day we will have our own kitchen business. I give a dream of doing that. Um, And then, so through my design studio, I've been working with a lot of um, like um, suppliers, Italian suppliers, Spanish from everywhere, importing stuff. Uh, The only, the only trick about importing goods is to have a good forwarder reliable forward which I've gone through a lot but and then and then to have a good system to not to implement a good system once you have this then it's like everything is easy the thing about kitchens is that people don't know how well the thing about Hong Kong is that or you pay China stuff that is like cheap and the quality is bad not saying all the stuff from China is bad but (laughs) 85% is and then, so, or you get imported imported products that are super expensive because people is here marking up things like a thousand times. This is crazy, the markups is ridiculous. Or So you have option A, which is cheap and bad quality, or option B, which is European quality, which in Europe is not uh, that extreme, but, but it is normal. But European quality, but paying like gold price is crazy. So I thought like, you know what? there is there is we can do this like much easier so through the studio i work with these uh suppliers so i'm working with chesar to import kitchens so i was using these kitchens for my own for my own interior projects so i thought i'll just do a separate studio kitchen design studio only and then i will help not only b2c so direct clients to do that are working with other designers to do kitchen projects but also Arch- architects or other interior design studios can outsource 
these two hours because it's our expertise because I, I can sleep I, I can design kitchens while I sleep it's so easy for me but for some so for some people it's really technical they don't know what to do they don't know how many amps like one uh, like uh, how much voltage does one have it haven't have like you know those things that I can do like literally yeah, in my coffee break yeah yes so now we have assembled of course I cannot sell you a kitchen or sell an architect a kitchen and then don't support give support because it's a special product it needs to be done properly so um what we created that system so now we have uh so a specialist design team we have a specialist installation team we have counter installation and then we do the appliances also through all the like suppliers like suppliers from Siemens or Miele we have accounts with all the with all the authorized dealers in Hong Kong so we can offer the full package so not only like to a person like you like someone else can buy or like a design studio or to fosters or to fosters but the idea was that we can so that we don't only do beautiful things in our projects but we can actually extend our tentacles to other projects and then also help other people to make things beautiful too like not saying that our kitchens are more beautiful than others but yes but <laughs> you, say that. you have to say that but they are <laughs> they yes are. they are Where you have spaces where you where you can actually cook with a lot of space, um, and they are very intimate and cozy and meaningful mm. for us. We can think about the, our kitchens as well. What is a happy kitchen for you? For me, because I don't cook that much and I'm a little bit of a minimalistic. Like I mean, our the studio kitchen now is black. It's, the, it's a black with a black counter, so it's like a library, more more like a library kitchen. But I think a happy kitchen is like a, is like a big island, so a big, like surface where everybody can gather around, where they can have drinks, where there's like sitting area, like uh, like you know a, like good area for conversation, and it's probably conceal, like you know everything, all the clutter is sort of hidden away, and it can kind of disappear if you have coming someone coming over. Or, but yeah, I think a happy kitchen I in Europe. It's pretty much like, you know, your mom is cooking and then me and my brother are sitting down and then ha like having a beer or, you know, and, there's, and then my father is coming in and he's bringing all his fish that he's just fish and putting it over the counter. And I was, you know, it's like this is this is like a moment, like an opportunity for people to interact. I'll say like that's a happy kitchen and if this is mama's food, then it's better. Good, 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 good. Amy, uh, now we have... Um, I, th I think you're gonna you, you need it's mandatory for you to to go on holiday Wh are you going away from Hong Kong or are you staying here uh, just next month I until when I have to wait until next next bank holiday to Bangkok you went to Bangkok uh, no you're gonna need uh, the holiday because you have a lot of things going on and since I met you you have scaled up on and on and on and on and on so I'm sure that you know I mean we are almost neighbors and we're gonna see each other again uh, I, w I, w I was about to say I hope that you come back here to the podcast one more time but it's only if you had fun today what did you think? Yeah I had a lot of fun thank it you was so okay? much yeah, very, very Was good. it too terrible? It was no actually it was very easy <laughs> I keep talking it's, it's not difficult it's, it's actually it's actually better uh, than the other time we met because the posture is easier you, you are kind yeah. of relaxed um, we have a fantastic uh, 
director eh, in the in the in per persona of uh, Filippo. Uh, thank you, Amy, very much. I thank it's, you. it's I love this podcast because it gave me a chance to hang out with you. Uh, that it was well overdue, and now we have to organize a dinner with Ben and Kat and everyone. Um, people, by the way, uh, so if you want to get a nice kitchen quality where you can have all of the nice dynamics in your home, you need to go to kuchinahk.com um, and they have a system that will allow you to have the best possible at the least possible price. Mm. Uh, I didn't say that at the beginning because I'm a terrible podcast host but for the ones who made it to the end we have a sponsor called the wine uh wine not uh that's winenot.com.hk and it's giving everyone that checks out with the code last meet l-a-s-t-m-e-e-t an extra five percent discount and the prices are so low already so everyone should stack up for the mid autumn festival um happy weekend everyone thank you amy thank you so thank much. you filippo all the best to you Ciao, ciao.